All right, you ready to do this? I am ready. Sweet. I'm excited. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> it always helps. I've I've watched a number of podcasts start, uh, like the you once you get into the the rhythm of podcasting, you start episodes in a very non exciting way, and so there's there's a, a, a podcast on Cracked that used to start out. The guy will, he'll read a script and then. Uh, like it's sort of the same way with variations every week, and he used to start it out like, "Hey, this is unpopular opinion," and now he's just like, "Hey, this is unpopular opinion." <laughs> like, ah, yeah. Well, so, let's do the the Jay and Dan podcast um, for Fox Sports, yeah. and uh, they just when their guest comes in, they literally like they're podcasting, and then the guy walks in the studio is like, "Oh, hey, how's it going? Have a seat." Like, I know it's kind of. <laughs> It's kind of cool because it's it's very yeah like informal like oh yeah so and so is here like I don't know it's nice yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that'll do fine for a start I'm just gonna say right now this is episode five of Fake It I'm sitting here with Mike Cottrell my cousin and uh, father uh, working man tire changing uh, you just Husband, yes. You just put uh, winter tires on your car. I did. How, how does that process go? I've never done it before. <laughs> I was As I was changing it, I was actually wondering if you had done it before because I know that Julia has a car. Yeah. Um, I guess both of you have a car that you use, um, the single car anyway. And I was like, I wonder if Julia's going to be the one putting the winter tires on the car because I don't know how she does it. But um, like we just have just a small jack that you just keep in the trunk, um, a tire iron, and we keep our our winter tires in our shed. So just jack it up and loosen the nuts. Yeah, you got to remember to put the parking brake on, though, because otherwise if you take the nuts off without it on, the wheel just spins as you try to, like, at least the rear wheels do. <laughs> so you got to gotta do that. It's not hard. It took half an hour and went and go pressure them up and good to go. Sweet. Yeah, no, uh, it's it's funny that you mentioned that because we were just talking about it today. Julia is getting her, uh, her tires changed. Tomorrow at a at a shop. Okay. And so her dad takes care of it. <laughs> right. So she left she left her car there, and I, I think that's really funny. I was like, when are you gonna start taking responsibility? And she turned to me. She's like, when are you gonna start taking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's fine. Like it's not my car. It's her car, yeah. but right. <laughs> it's probably gonna happen soon. How is it gonna work for you guys? Because I know with us, like Maria had a car. While we were dating, um, she used it for work, and then when we got engaged and then married, we still had the same car. Yeah. And she still saw it as her car, just because she was used to calling it her car. Right. But then I saw it as our car because <laughs> we were married and we both use it. I wasn't driving at the time, but I don't. Know, I still felt it was ours. Maybe that was kind of just a feeling about it, but. Like we we eventually bought our own car, like a newer car. After Shers started, she sold it to her brother, and we just like okay, let's, let's get a new car. Mm-hmm. Not a new car per se, but a different car, a newer, yeah. newer car. And uh, that that one was registered under both of us, or at least we both bought it. I think it's still registered under her, but we bought it together, so it was like oh, it was our car. Okay. Yeah. So it's probably gonna be the same for you guys. Yeah. I mean, we've been talking for a bit about either that or getting a second car, and 
a second car seems like, like too much. I don't like I take the bus to work. It's mm-hmm. like I I the bus is a block away and I get off and walk another block to get to work. That's exactly what I do in the morning. <laughs> it's like one block and then a block to work. <laughs> yeah. Which so it's so efficient that it's not even worth like there's no good parking downtown. It's it's not worth it. Yeah. Do you, the, do you guys have the park and rides that Calgary does? Uh, yes, but we're not far enough away that that would matter. There, there are a couple. There definitely aren't as many as there are in Calgary, but they're they do exist. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, we got our first dump of snow between last night and this morning. So went out and shoveled the walk, and Emma played outside, and went and changed the tires this evening. So. Pretty much ready for winter is all over. Yeah. So on that note, you this is your technic this is your first time, right? Like you are shoveling your driveway and your sidewalk. Like this is now yours for the first time. Yeah. 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 Before it was I didn't do any shoveling before. Well we did it at my parents' house. Yeah. And we were in a condo. So I guess snow clearance did that. And yeah, this is the first time that, you know, we bought a shovel last week, thankfully. Um, yeah, so I guess, yeah, I shoveled my walk. No driveway, though. Yeah. But, How does it feel? I don't know. It was good. It's kind of like I felt productive shoveling the walk and changing the tire city. Right. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, yeah, it's nice that it happens on a weekend. You actually get the chance to, like, yeah. you don't have to do it and then rush off to work or anything. Yeah. Well, I got I got really lazy about watering the lawn over the summer, so I'm shoveling the walks more of a safety concern than watering the lawn. So I think I'll probably be better at shoveling the walk. But yeah, yeah it's a lot of work maintaining a house. I can imagine. For you guys, how does that work? Because you're still in a townhouse, right? Like a condo. Yeah, so, everything outside is pretty much taken care of. Like all the outdoor stuff, we just have. I mean, it's. Fine. Houses don't get that dirty. <laughs> like we don't live a dirty lifestyle. Like it's a little bit messy, maybe, but I don't know. The upkeep isn't hasn't been much. Yeah. What about your steps, though? Do you have to shovel those off? No. The they come like they do right up to the front, and then the stairs themselves that come up to the unit are covered by a sort of alcove type thing. So there hasn't been any snow, but they they would clear it. Like, we're only responsible, I think, for maybe... I feel like we're responsible for the door and then everything inside, but not not beyond that. Like, the there's a there's a landing that has four separate units. Oh, okay. So it's all common area. Right. Yeah. That's a good deal. Works out pretty well. I'm happy with it. <laughs> <laughs> so you've listened to this uh, podcast before... Not all of them, but you've listened to it. And so you know that this is a podcast about success. Yes. And I would consider you quite successful in all the sort of traditional, like, at the age that you're in, you have gotten, like, you've knocked down a lot of the things that successful adults traditionally have knocked down. Would you Would you agree with that? I guess. Like, I don't know. I For myself, I never really set any milestones of success that I ever quote-unquote strived for or, like, strive, yeah, like, wanted to reach in life. It's just pretty much until 
like, even in university, like, going through school, and it's, like, I wasn't, like, oh, I'm going to be, like, I guess, like, I just, like, kind of like what you had said in, in previous episodes, that you just expected to kind of go through school and get a job. Like, it's, like, where's my job? Like, I'm done university now. Like, right? Yeah. Like, I just kind of expected it to be a natural process. I didn't think that that was, like, anything that I needed to actively achieve. It's just, like, you do your degree and you get your job. Right. So did you have any issues between getting out of school and getting a job, or was it? did you have that sort of solid transition just kind of I, happen? I did have, I guess you call it issues. You know, I, I take my, I had one interview for a geophysics position, and I thought it went pretty well. But then looking back, I made, like, every single interview mistake you could ever make. Like... Like, literally, if you had a list of things not to do, I like, yep, 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 okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, good chatting with you. It's like, <laughs> like, I don't know. It's like, I guess just to make a long story short, I go in, and then within the interview, I brought up how much vacation time you get. When they asked if I was willing to relocate, I said no. And because it's, <laughs> he, even, he even said... In the interview, he's like, it's just a question. You just, you know, like, you always have a say in it, like, whether you relocate or not. But we had, like, talked about this, like, Maria and I were dating at the time, and we had talked about it before, and it's like, well, no, I, I don't want to move. So I was I was being honest in the interview. I was like, no, I don't want to. But yeah. it's like, you don't, in an interview, to some extent, you want to tell them what they want to hear with those types of things. Like, yeah. right? It's like, obviously, if as far as your background and your work experience, whatever, you want to be honest. But when it comes to, like, are you willing to relocate, it's like, yeah. Like, and if it comes down to it when you're hired and whatever, then it's like, well, no, my situation is not the time to move or whatever, right? Like, and they're not going to, like, fire you because of that. But <laughs> if they, you're not willing to relocate, then it's like, well, we can't really hire you in good faith knowing that you're already not willing to relocate kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, what else did I ask about? Just, like, pretty much everything. I was way too honest in the interview. That, I think that was yeah. the main issue. <laughs> like, you wouldn't think that's a bad thing. No, you wouldn't. But it's, it's from an interview standpoint, it's like, like, for example, when with geophysics, it's, it's mainly math and physics, but there's obviously geology involved in it, right? Yeah. And I was always of the mindset that, like, I never liked the geology part. Like... Now it's interesting because I apply it to what I'm doing. But from a pure interest standpoint, I wasn't interested in the geology side of things. And so in the interview, I was like, you know, I never liked the geology part. And this is <laughs> <laughs> like it, and, you know, they're looking for a well-rounded applicant who's yeah. interested in everything they're doing. And I could just go and say, well, I'm not interested in the geology part. I never found that part interesting. And it's like... Oh, like, why do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> See, but, like, at least I would think going through that and, like, looking back, you can reflect and go, okay, next time I'm going to phrase it, I'm more interested in the physics aspect. <laughs> yeah, or, or at least say, you know, I, I, I see the importance of having a well-rounded understanding of the geology, but my but I have a very strong interest in the physics and the math side of things. But you don't want to say I'm not interested in the geology or I don't find it important or anything like that. It's like, like, I don't know. Yeah. And I walked out of there. I'm like, 
that was a good interview. And now like, looking back, it's like, that's why I didn't get it. <laughs> In, at, at the same time, you're honest. Like, I, I understand that they want to have someone who is willing to relocate because obviously what business wouldn't would want someone to take that off the table right away. But if your priorities are different than what they're going to want, then maybe it's not a good fit. Yeah. Like, yeah. I... He, yeah, go ahead. No, like, I was just going to say, he actually said at the end of the interview, he's like, well, he's like, I appreciate your honesty, and it sounds like you really, you have an idea of what you're looking for, like, in your career and in your life. Like, and he could relate, because, you know, he had a family, and he had his own career path and whatever. So I think he... He he saw my honesty as valuable, but not in a hiring sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, I don't think I read into it that way initially, but I see now that, and yeah, like you said, it's it's probably better that if that wasn't a good fit for me, it's it's good that I wasn't there, really. Right. I uh, I went to an inter, or I guess I had an interview. It was a telephone interview with a guy who was in Toronto, and so the the job that I was going for would have been it would technically have been chemistry, but it was sales. And it would have been in, in Toronto, downtown, and he asked me if I, like, what I thought of Toronto. <laughs> I, I, straight up, I was like, I'm allergic to Toronto. Like, I was there for a week, one, like, a couple of years back, and I spent the whole time sniffling and sneezing. And so, basically, at that point, it was, he basically said after that, you could probably get this job would you be willing to come to Toronto? And I was like, ah, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know, I knew it was important to me, and, like, I did want the job, but I didn't want to go to Toronto. So being honest, like, that, yeah. I didn't get the job. I, did, I, was, I think I was unemployed at that time. Yeah. Like, I stayed unemployed, but I didn't want to, like, I didn't want to go to Toronto. I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. You were with Julie at the time during that interview, right? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't. Uh, oh yeah, I would have been because I finished. I finished my degree. Yeah, so I was. So I guess on that note, had you had you and Julia discussed going forward what your joint plans were from a career slash life perspective? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it was gonna be hard. But we, we, I think we talked about it at that point. We're like, it, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Like, it's only a five-hour drive or an hour, half an hour flight. So it's doable. Um, I didn't I, – like, I, I've been very forthcoming with throughout my entire life that I don't want to be in a long-distance relationship, so I wouldn't have wanted that. Yeah. So, like, that was one of the reasons that I decided to stay more than anything else. But, uh, yeah, I have – I. I applied to a job in Delaware at one point. That was the furthest I ever applied away. And like it, it was one of those jobs that required uh, reference letters from people you worked with already and all that. So I put it all together and sent it away. And I was like, even if I got it, I don't. I would just like <laughs> I want to put on my resume, got an interview for this job, even though it was with um, uh, Fisher Chemical, I think Fisher Industrial or something. Um, like they're a pretty well-known firm. Okay. But. Uh, and I actually exchanged a couple emails with the the person I'd be, that was work, looking for an assistant, but didn't get any further than that. So okay. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So going back to your uh, your transition from school to work, 
after that interview, what happened? Well, I was already working part-time at a distribution warehouse. Um, so I was working one evening and Sundays, I think for a combined 15 hours a week. Um, so at the time, Maria and I were engaged, so we were saving up for our wedding slash life. <laughs> so obviously, like, I didn't get that job. Um, and I anything else I applied to, like, with Shell or any of the others, like, I didn't get any sniff at, I guess. Yeah. Um, and, you know, one of the other mistakes that I made going through school was not looking at the networking and school involvement aspects, like, as far as the clubs and that kind of thing. Like, even from... and. I don't know. It's, and maybe it's more a reflection of my character, but I'm not the kind of person to look for ways, l- like, look for relationships that I can get something out of them. Like, that's not why I have relationships. But looking back, if I made more friendships in school, I'd have a lot more contacts and leads coming out of school. Because I see now that a lot of the people that were friends in school now work together. And that's yeah. not a coincidence, right? Like, because when you get hired somewhere, they're like, oh, do you know anyone else that would be a good fit here, right? And that's, like, your way in. Yeah. Um, so coming out of school, I didn't have those kinds of friendships and contacts. So I was kind of on my own in that sense. So, you know, I was went full-time, obviously, at the warehouse. And actually, one of Maria's dad's friends had a friend that was looking for a well planner. And that's what I do now. Yeah. Um, and it's in directional drilling. So it's related to my field, but it was not directly in geophysics. But I had the background, the education that would help me get into that type of field. Um, and that came about in November. So I graduated in well, I graduated in I graduated in June, July, August. It was the fall of that year that I graduated. Okay. Because I had to make up a couple like electives. So mm-hmm. I Instead of graduating in the April of that year, I graduated in the summer. Okay. Like, I finished all my, con- my, all my course requirements to actually graduate officially. Um, but in, in any case, I worked full-time for about six months before getting into my field that I'm in now. Right. And that was purely through someone knew someone who knew someone that was looking for someone. Yeah. So it kind of reinforces the whole... You know, you can you can get a 4.0 in university, but if you don't know anyone, like, looking for, like, you can apply with that, but there's still a lot of competition. But if you know someone, you don't, they, they kind of, it's like, oh, you have your degree and you did moderately well, at least, and you seem to have an interest and promise, then, then they're willing to give you a chance kind of thing. Yeah. I always find it interesting because the, the place you're working now doesn't, you didn't have any necessarily any connections there, right? No, with with this with where I am now. So I worked at my first company for a year and a half, and then there were rumors of the company getting sold. Mm-hmm. So you know, at that time we had just had a baby, and you know had a family. Like I have a family, and we were paying for a condo that we owned. So it's like, well, I'm not willing to risk our financial stability and uncertainty for just sticking around because it's a place that I kind of started at. 
and one of the guys who brought me on initially, he's like, you know, he 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 was one of the owners, so he knew that they were looking at selling the company. So I he wasn't explicit with it, but he basically just said, you know, if you want to move on, like you're kind of have my blessing kind of thing, right? So when he said that, I knew that it was kind of like, well, now is my chance to kind of like start looking around a little bit. So I was looking at other options, and in that meantime, someone contacted me on LinkedIn, a recruiter. Mm who was looking for a well planner at this other, at Mozart, where I work now. Yeah. So that's how I got into there. And, you know, they were looking for a more senior guy, someone ideally with more than a year and a half experience, but because of my actual experience, not years-wise, but just exposure and my background and stuff, they were willing to, to give me a chance to have a more leadership supervisory role within the group, even though everyone else kind of had, like, three to six years experience kind of thing. So age-wise, it's not a huge gap or that kind of thing, but it's still the, it was a risk that they took and it seems to have worked out so far. So, well, I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. I always find it nice that, at least in the experience that I've had so far, like when I'm, I'm going back to work at NSERC soon, uh, next week, and I found it, like to get into NSERC was really hard and I needed, I had a connection. So I had a friend of a friend recommended me to this position and it was for two months. And then once I got there, after the two months ended, I had, I took, I had a month off where I was unemployed again. And then somebody who I had worked with recommended me to another person. And so I got a second position and then ended up going back to the first position for another eight months or so. And then now I'm coming back and it was a person who recommended me from the second job that I had there recommended me to a fourth person now. And so th this job, which, which is like, it's a fairly advanced position, but I, I now have it without any nepotism. Like there was no connection other than a recommendation from a coworker, not from a person that I knew. So that that's kind of validating. I'm sure you felt the same way. Like, Oh, I just started out like I'm fairly new, but I did good work, and they recognized that, and so they gave me a chance to to do something even better. Yeah, well, yeah, and and, and that's the kind of thing that you can't fake in an interview. Like when when you're when you're looking when you're looking for someone who has experience and knows what they're talking about, you can tell when they know what they're talking about. Like talking to you about, I don't think I've ever encountered anything that. I felt you didn't know what you're talking about, but when 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 someone's knowledgeable about something, you can just tell how they talk about it if they yeah. actually know what they're talking about. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And and I think that's kind of what you have to rely on when you don't have necessarily the oh, I have ten years experience, but if you at least know the necessary stuff, then you can still do the job, right? Because I'm sure there's people with like ten years experience that still don't know it as well as someone that have that has two years that may just be better at the job kind of thing, right? So, and, and that seems to be what my boss had experience with was hiring people who had the numbers, but he didn't feel that they were as good of a fit for the job based on the, the knowledge that they had of it. Okay. Yeah, so, that, that was probably the most validating part for me was him seeing that despite my lack of years, I was able to do the job in a satisfactory way that he was looking for that other people weren't able to do. Right, because I guess he's he's been in the industry for a long time and worked with so many people, and and to 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 have his approval, I guess, was 
yeah, like a validating thing for sure. And in, in the same way that for you to be recommended four times, like that that can't be coincidence or a fluke, right? Yeah, like I've done something right. And it always it always makes me I think the best example that I have of, of someone doing something like that is when I got into my masters. I had to I talked to my uh, my who ended up being my master's supervisor in fourth year and I agreed to do an honors project with him because we had to pick a supervisor to do an honors project with, and in exchange, I would do a master's degree with him. And basically, like the normal process for a master's is you get really good grades, and then all the professors sort of fight over you, depend and like you get a bit of input, but like it's a, you get a short list of professors that, that want to take you on. Mm. Whereas my grades weren't, like, they weren't exceptional, they weren't bad, but... So my professor took a, a smallish risk taking me because, like, I wasn't if, – if they put my name out there, nobody would have been like, ooh, I would need him. Like, I hadn't talked to any other professors. I hadn't worked with any of them. So him taking me was a risk, but it ended up working out, and, like, the, the experience, I think, was positive for both of us. And this, so the same thing kind of happens when, when you get a young person coming in and interviewing, like – I think I feel like it's the same for you. Like the the employer takes a risk, in like a calculated risk, obviously, and maybe it's not super risky, but they they see something in you that they're willing to sort of put themselves out there a bit more than they would if you didn't leave a positive such a positive impression on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's kind of scary because you know at the company I'm at now, like they they involve for the employees. And coworkers that want to, they'll involve them a lot in the operations. So you get a lot of responsibility pretty quickly if you're able to handle it, kind of thing. But it's like, like at times there's so much not only expected of me, but that I'm responsible for. That it's like, it's a it's a situation that I wouldn't really get anywhere else, like at any other company, really. Because from my understanding, not a lot of companies operate like that. Like they'll take people who have again the years of experience or whatever that they put them in those roles where they can like back it up with like that experience but with me I'll go to a meeting with a cu- with a customer and I'm explaining what it is that we're trying to do and options and whatever but for them to put me out there in that role is like they have to trust that I'm going to like do the job well right like and even like especially as young as I am like going into a meeting with like a 40-year-old engineer and they see me making recommendations it's like does this guy know what he's talking about? Kind of. So, like, yeah. that's kind of where I have to try to like work with them and like understand that they're going to be skeptical at first, maybe, but try to like show them that, yeah, you know, we we can work this out together, and maybe I might have some ideas that that work for you, kind of thing. So, right. It always helps, and I, I've talked about this many times before. I'm, I'm sure I've talked about it with you that experience can only get you so far. Uh, and it's a lot more helpful to have someone who is able to learn new things well and quickly. And so when you get a new job, if you've had the, if you've done the same work for five or ten years, that's great. But if you've proven during that time that you can pick up new skills quickly, then you're going to be even better off. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely what I've found with you, and probably one of your greatest skills is just being able to, like, just get into something really quickly and do well at it like pretty much like anything that you'll decide that you want to get interested in you just like get into it like I don't know there's no other like even even with like like football in high school like you made 
starting QB when, like, like you had experience in, like, soccer and stuff. You didn't play football growing up or anything. I played, like, touch in the in the schoolyard, and if it snowed a sure. lot, we played tackle, but, yeah. Yeah, right? but it's, it's not like you, like, like, I wouldn't say against all odds, but there was no reason for you to necessarily be, like, a favorite to be starting QB. Right. But you did it, and as far as I could see and knew, you did it well. Like, I don't know what your school as a team necessarily didn't do. Yeah. It, I think that, I mean, I did fine, I think. But the, the hardest part for me, looking back especially, was that everything, like, I was relying on my own football instincts, and the coaches were putting together a playbook that relied on knowledge of football as well. But I never really talked to the coaches as to why we were doing what we were doing. And so I never, I didn't understand what they wanted. I just did what they told me. So it was never, it was never going to be good enough. And I was probably pretty immature at the time. So like, I didn't even realize that, that there was that sort of gap. Mm-hmm. But I think given the chance to do it again, even if I had the same skill level, like I wasn't any better at football, I would have been able to do better if I talked to the coaches and figured out what the system was and like sat down with them and worked it out like a quarterback would in the NFL or in a professional league. Yeah. I think now that you bring that up about looking back and what you do differently, I've, I, I was thinking about that before fairly recently and on and off occasionally, and I always come back to, like, oh, man, if only, like, I could go and redo it, like, knowing what I know now. Like, say with, like, school. Like, I slept through quite 50% of my social studies classes. Like, <laughs> A, because I was just sleepy because <laughs> I wasn't, like, interested in it, right? But A, now it's, like, interesting to know, like like, how our government came to be and, like, why it works and what it does. But also, like, you know, just put the effort in and, like, learn the stuff and, like, I don't know. For now coffee helps a lot to stay awake, so maybe I didn't have that to rely on back then. But it's kind of like when you approach those situations as with the immaturity of a child, then you can't, you can't expect yourself to have approached it in that way. Because I was, I was, I heard a statistic or a science fact, I guess, that into your like females mature a lot more quickly than males do, and it's not until like their early twenties that males reach a point in their like cerebellum or frontal cortex or wherever it is that something like changes where you start seeing things with the maturity of an adult. Yeah, before I, then, I, right? like no. before then, <laughs> yeah, before then, it's it's all just however a teenager would, would think of things or approach things, right? So, yeah. I don't know, I guess that makes sense that, like, now it all makes sense to me, like, or now I realize how, like, stupid I was as a kid in some situations, but I wouldn't yeah. have known that back then because I didn't think like an adult does. Yeah. It, it's funny that you say that because I think that, I, and I'm this applies to both of us, but, like, you can have a higher-than-average intelligence as a as a teenager and like you're if you if you measured your IQ with an IQ test that may or may not be accurate you'd probably do pretty well but you still just do things that looking back now now that you, you have the same the intelligence and also the maturity you're just like man that was dumb yeah. well like I, <laughs> yeah, I, I like so much time. what's that things like skipping class you mentioned especially like I in university in first and second year there were some classes that we had them twice a week, but I only ever went to one per week. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. And, like, we had tutorial sessions. Like, in geophysics, 
especially compared to geology, a lot of the labs are actually like just tutorial sessions for worksheets, like or for exercises and that kind of thing or assignments. So you didn't have to go to your lab. Like the TA was there if you needed help with it or wanted to learn a bit more about it. Or you could just do the worksheet on your own, the exercise on your own, and if you did if you did it fine, then you just do it on your own. So I use those like hour and a half blocks. Because, like, Monday, Wednesday, Friday were all class days, and then Tuesdays and Thursdays were lab days. So those, to me, were basically, like, days off. Like, especially yeah. if it was dating, and it's like, well, I'm not going to, like, go to a lab then and just sit there and do my exercise. I'll just do it at home. And so, like, I blew that off, and, you know, I'd get, like, I don't know, like, a B-plus or whatever on my assignment. If I went to class or went to tutorial, like, the, the, the TAs would basically, like, walk you to the answer if you didn't get it, but at least you'd know how to get there. If you do it on your own, you'll get it wrong, and you'll get an okay grade to, like, pass a test or whatever, but you're not going to, like, increase your learning that way. Or, uh, you know, just wasting time at night on, like, internet forums and, like... Like, I'd, I'd, I'd be on literally, like, science and math forums, like, learning stuff that wasn't related to school, but I found interesting. Yeah. But I could have been actually, like, studying and, like, doing assignments and yeah. projects instead of, like, wasting time, but... Well, it sounds like you're the same way that I was in university and that I didn't care at all about the grades themselves. Like, I wanted to pass, obviously. But if I got an A, an A, A plus, or if I got, like, a B or B plus, it made no difference to me. Yeah. I wanted to do well and I wanted to learn, but I didn't care what grade I got. Yeah. And so, like, the tutorials that we, we had actually, we had lab sessions and we had tutorial sessions. And I didn't, like, my own classes, I didn't go to a single tutorial session. I, I went with friends to their tutorial sessions and, like, sat there because it's just, like, hanging out with friends. But I never went to a single one of my tutorial sessions for my classes. It was just a waste of time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, it almost, I don't know, I guess, like, Maria and I were dating at the time in university, and we, like, we grew really close pretty quickly because we spent so much time together. So I don't I don't know if I'd necessarily go back and trade that for paying more attention in school or spending more time doing whatever. Like, you it's, it's good to look back and see, okay, well, what did I do and why did I do it and what would I have done differently? But as far as going back and wanting to change how things happened, especially at this point, I, I wouldn't do that if it meant trading where we are now. Like... I, I if if I got A's in school, I probably wouldn't be further ahead in my career than I am now, and I wouldn't want to be because, like, I'm really happy where we are now. Even if I could have, you know, been in a different position job-wise or done better in school, it's like, well, it's we are where we are, and it it would be unnatural to have it any be any differently because we are where we are because of who we are. If that makes sense. Yeah. 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 I, and it's always going to be a trade-off between, like, balancing things. If if you're happy with the the advancements you made in your relationship while you're blowing off whatever school activity was going on, that like that's a trade-off that's going to be acceptable to me most of the time. And it sounds like it was to you as well. Like you're happy with this with the sacrifices and balance you found. Yeah. 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 University was such a learning experience, but not in the way that was intended. Like I did learn a lot. But I learned so much more outside of class than I did in class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At least stuff that's useful now, more so than like I learned some interesting facts and I learned a lot of science. But like in terms of life, the lessons I learned outside of class were a lot more useful. 
so let's go a little bit further into the career. So recently you posted a few videos of a site. Do you call them site visits when you go and visit? Just like field trips. You okay. That makes it sound so juvenile, but I love it. <laughs> yeah, you can do site, site visits. We'll go with site visits if you want. <laughs> it's called so, going, out, going out to the field, and it's a trip to the field, but yeah. Right. So what was that like? Like you were on a real oil rig, basically, yeah. from, from the looks of it. Yeah. Yeah, so like when you're working in town in directional drilling, you're basically designing the operation on a theoretical basis. Like as far as engineering goes, that's kind of the most you can do with engineering is based on the limits of the equipment that we're going to be using and the theoretical performance designed the operation to be successful. But you, but for me, I'd never actually gone out to see how the operation goes. And like, I think one of the biggest things for me going out there was like, you can do whatever you want in the office. But ultimately, it's, you know, 10 guys on an oil rig drilling the actual well, and the success of it depends on them to do it in a way that was designed. Right. Right? Like, so, like, it, it was just kind of, like, it was crazy to see the people, like, directly doing the job. Like, you plan it, and you hear things that might go wrong or just differently or whatever, but to be actually out there and to see, like, wow, it's literally, like, like throttles and, like, a gas engine and hydraulics that are, like, drilling the well. Like, to see the actual machine and the hole in the ground, it's like, whoa, this is, like, crazy. Like, it's, like, happening right here. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and, like, probably the other thing is that, like, you see, like, the drillers themselves wearing the coveralls and on the rig, they're doing, like, manual labor that's, like, dangerous and whatever. Our guys, like, the directional drillers that are doing, like, the calculations and whatever, they're sitting in, like, a trailer in their, like, flip-flops and sandals watching TV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, like, you know, they're, they're doing their job, but a lot of it is just, like, the lifestyle of being out on a rig, being alone for 12 yeah. hours at a time and just kind of re repetition and you have to stay aware of what's happening but a lot of it is just being okay with being out there on your own because they need someone to do it right but yeah. that's that's kind of the trade-off as far as like compensation goes like like they make good money but they, there's the trade-off is that lifestyle right like being away from their families and the city life and whatever they're out on the rig for seven days at a time and yeah. It's you make that money. What's that? Then, you make that money, but then what do you do with it? Like, yeah, what, exactly. <laughs> your quality of life suffers. Yeah, so what What I've heard a lot of people do is, like, say if someone's, like, married, they'll go out and work for a couple years, save up some money, and then start their family and find a job in town so that they can have the city life and spend time with their family, but they've already, like, made up a good savings to, to live off of, kind of. Yeah. But no, it was, it was a really cool experience to see to see the oil rigs actually doing their stuff and to yeah. kind of when I hear like in our operational meetings I'll hear terms and how things happen or whatever and to actually go and see it and be like, Oh, that's what it looks like kind of thing. So it was cool. Was this a well that you planned that you went to see? Uh 
Yeah, one of them was. Okay. Yeah. How, but, how did that feel to see your like your plan in action? <laughs> uh, I don't know. It was like, well, one of one of the drillers, like one of our guys, was like, "Oh, you know, this why is this part here?" And I'm like, "Oh, they don't actually like, like he thought it was for a different purpose than it was designed to do." So okay. I kind of clarified for that for him. He's like, "Oh, okay, that makes sense, or whatever." And like they were doing their job. I'm like, "Like, oh, why are you doing it that way?" Like, because from <laughs> from a planning basis, like. They're kind of doing what I do beforehand, but they're doing it as it happens. Like, so I plan the well, and as they drill it, they're kind of replanning it yeah. as they go. Kind of like they're sticking to the plan, but they're replanning as they go, depending on what's actually happening. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. So they're. So what they do is very similar to what I do. They're just doing it real time and continuously. So they'll be doing something and I'll be like, oh, like, could you do it this way? And, like, I didn't want to start telling them how to do their job because I wasn't actually, like, supposed to be there doing it. But it was kind of weird to, like, like, I have my own idea of how they would be doing it and the Tashi C. And everyone does it differently, so it was kind of like that other play, too. It's like there's multiple ways to do it. And I don't know. Right. It was, it was Definitely a cool experience for sure, and, and I hope to do it again, like on a semi-regular basis, just to kind of see how things are going. And yeah, I imagine it's pretty like it's always going to be a positive experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So another sort of big thing that I wanted to get to because it's this has already been super long, and it's that, that's fine. I'm fine with it, but I, live, I don't. I haven't even keeping track of time. I haven't been keeping track, but I'm looking now, and it's. Um, I want to go to. I, I eventually want to get to married life because that's coming for me, and you've been living it. Um, but I want to talk a bit about quote unquote, like big air quotes, fun in an adult life versus the quote unquote fun you have as a student or as a teenager growing up. Because mm -hmm. I imagine that there's some things that are the same, but a lot of it's probably very different, or at least has different standards or different. Uh, like you look at it differently. Mm -hmm. So did you notice like going from being a student up into being an adult who now has a house, what did you do for fun and had to stop doing? And then what do you do for fun now that has replaced that? I think for me, like I think my Maria's and my relationship was different, I think, from what other people go through because like when we were dating we spent a lot of time together and we got engaged and from the time that we got engaged we saw it as the commitment was the same as if we had been married or gotten married if that makes sense yeah. like our, our marriage started when we got engaged for us right and that's kind of how we approached our priorities and our finances and the time we spent together and you know, I had I had a group of friends that I did stuff with, and once we got engaged, and you know, when we were dating, we spent a lot of time together already. But when we got engaged, it's like I wanted to allocate my time to us. Like, if if I had a choice between doing something with Maria or doing something with like friends, I'd pick doing it with Maria. Yeah, probably like ninety five percent of the time. Yeah. So when Maria and I were hanging out, and then my friends called me, I was like, "Oh, let's like, let's go golfing." I'm like, "Well, I'm, I'm with Maria right now." And they're like, "Oh, okay, like whatever," or like, 
you know, I'd plan my weekends around like what Maria and I wanted to do. And so like I, I prioritize and I wanted to spend my time with her versus just doing other things. So I think the biggest change for me was just the natural change in what I wanted to do. Like it wasn't a conscious like, oh, now I have to do this or now I have to do that. It's like just an internal like I, I, I want to spend my time doing something, doing other things other than what I was doing when I was a kid kind of thing. Like um, that, was, that was probably the biggest thing, which is the change in priorities. And then going into like having a child that is obviously its own thing, and now it's like everything I do is revolved around like both Maria, but mostly Emma now because it's like like when I come home from work, I look forward to spending time with them and like just seeing like Emma get excited when I like come into the door and like she has to go play and like it's like it's very it's just it's a very it's a shockingly natural change in priority and in in feeling of what you want to do. That's that's probably the biggest thing the biggest thing for me that happened. Makes sense to me. How, how did it how did it happen for you, or has it happened? Uh, it definitely has happened. I'm not sure. I'm, my transition from school to not school was at almost exactly the same time as my transition from dating into long-term relationship. But I've noticed that in that time now, we like I would spend time with a group of friends and maybe she would be there or we'd spend time with a group of her friends and I would be there whereas now a lot of our the friends that we spend time with it's sort of either one couple or a couple of other couples or maybe a large group of friends that are mostly couples and so the the entertainment has changed in that it's we're not like going to a bar and drinking although that does happen sometimes but it's usually just going to someone's house and watching movies or playing board games or just hanging out. And like, I wasn't a, I wasn't a big partier in university. And so it wasn't like a transition where I had to stop doing that, but it's just sort of more, more low energy activities because nobody, nobody wants to go out dancing or if they do, it's like it's once a month or something, but it's a lot more low key. Well, it's like the How I Met Your Mother episode, where they, to, where they go to the dance club and you like you can spot out the married couples or or, yeah. the or whatever it was, and then yeah, they had the specific like demeanor about them. Yeah. <laughs> it it's funny because when I like I've never been super pro social, like I, I don't like to think of myself as antisocial, but I I sometimes if I if I want to be or if I don't know anybody, I don't feel the need to be social, so I call it asocial. Where like I'm fine being alone. I'm fine with silence that other people would consider awkward. I don't feel the need to fill it with conversation. Um, but that means that I haven't. I don't really meet a lot of people. Like I can go to a party. I went to a party last night, and I didn't meet a. I met maybe one person I didn't know. And I was like, that's fine with me. I I know I know enough people that I I would lose track if I tried to meet new people. Like I lose track of friends I have that I want to keep. Yeah. Because time has already spread so thin, <laughs> it's uh, it, it's not even it's not super different. It's just you have to manage your expectations of what fun is, and you kind of have to 
there's not going to be a thing going on for sure on Friday or Saturday night where you can just go to a club or a bar or whatever and have fun. Mm-hmm. You have to proactively go, hey, guys, let's get together. Because now the friends that I have are, are spread a lot more across the city than they used to be. It used to be we would live within a five-block radius of each other and we'd just gather at someone's house yeah. and, and go from there doing whatever we wanted to do. So now it takes more planning, I would say. Like the plans you make are more long-term than just – Hey, it's Friday night. Let's do something. Yeah, yeah. Like it's that's definitely a big thing, and especially yeah, I. That's that's definitely true. You know, Marie and I were both kind of the same way. Like we were we were fine to socialize, but it wasn't a necessary part of our livelihood or our, our weekly routine. Like if we happened to go meet friends, that was what we did. If not, then we were just hanging out together. And yeah, like you know, both of us are fine to kind of do things on our own. Mm. Um, but I think one of the things that, that I could recommend, I guess, and it, it depends a lot on people's personalities, but like I know for us, we have a hard time setting aside time for ourselves, especially now that we, we have a child, that we're so focusing our energy on each other and her that it's like, it's like, oh, I haven't like done anything on my own like for myself in a while so what we kind of do is we try to at least once a week have one thing that we do that's like our thing or at least or at least have one thing going on that's our thing so like for Maria it's you know going out and doing like Zumba dancing at a gym and for me it's like well like our uh, future chat that I do weekly and then you know I used to be doing like ball hockey, but I haven't been doing that lately because I'm just tired after getting home from work. <laughs> I get home at like six fifteen, and then have dinner. And if I had to go, if I want to go to ball hockey, it'd be like eight o'clock, and it's like, yeah, like. <laughs> but you know, it's it's you you want to still like on a relational basis. You want to encourage each other to take time for yourself, even if it's like the two of you going out hanging out with friends, that's not the same as just, you know, you going out to play soccer or her going shopping on her own. I don't know what she's into. Well, she she did she we both just finished a season of soccer, so that worked like oh, separately. Really? We were on different teams. Yeah, so so that so that's the kind of thing, right? So you still wanna have a thing that you're able to kind of like set aside time for that's like your thing. Yeah. Like yeah, like, I'm not going to go, like, drinking with the guys, but I'll go and, like, yeah, kick, like, kick a soccer ball around or go play football or whatever. But That's, uh, yeah, I th- that, that time alone thing is really important. I found that it's, for me, I don't, I really, really profoundly don't care what people think about what I do. So when I tell someone that I, like, do podcasts or, like, put things on the internet on a weekly basis, like several times a week now. I don't care how that sounds. I don't care how that comes off because I like doing it. And if I didn't like doing it, I would stop. But I'm like, I'm, I'm enjoying it and I'm getting stuff, stuff out of it for myself. So when it comes time to, like if I, if I had to go across town to visit a friend who I see all the time or sit at home and watch a movie that I really want to watch, I would pick the movie. So it, it, but it is, so it is important, and Julia's kind of the opposite. 
And like, there's nothing wrong with that. And it actually helps in some ways because she'll be like, no, we should go, like we should leave the house and go see people. (laughs) And it's true. She's right. It's necessary to keep those connections. And, and in that way you can meet new, like I'm, I slowly meet new people. I don't, I don't go meet a bunch of new people and then I'm instantly connected to them. I go meet people over the course of a month or six months and I'll gradually get to know them and then they'll sort of just be friends. Yeah. Not like I meet someone, talk to them for several hours and then we're friends right away. Yeah. I think it was one of your actual updates or maybe just a video blog that you did where you talked about, yeah, I think it was just a video blog that you did, but it was it was about how if people want to set aside time for something, they'll do it. Like yeah. no one's no one's too busy for something. If yeah. people are busy for what they want to be busy for, so that's kind of my approach to friendships. That if you make friends with someone, and then three months goes by without talking to that person, it's probably because neither of you want to keep up that friendship. Right, like, like you're not invested enough. No, you're not invested enough. And and for us, like I'd rather have like two close friends that you're able to kind of like set aside time for than have like 50 that you see each one like once every six months. Like that's not helping anyone. Like you want your friendships to be beneficial and like fulfilling, not like, oh, I got to see this person, I got to see this person, I got to see this person. And then people get like insulted when you don't talk to them after a while. And it's like, okay, I've got a lot going on. Like I don't have time for everyone. Like like for us, we have like between our tech chat and – like Rhea's friends that she sees during the week, like in playdates and that kind of thing, we don't have any real like, like over the weekend we generally don't go and like visit people. Right. Well, we've actually, actually since moving to the suburbs and we have like neighbors, we've actually become pretty good friends or started good friendships, I guess you could say, with our neighbors and just kind of like games nights or just like fire pits, that kind of thing. And I don't know, it's, it's been really nice to have that type of relationship. And it helps because there are people close to you, like, in your neighborhood. So it's convenient. You're not driving, like, half an hour away and, like, making a point to plan. But it's like, hey, we're having a campfire tonight. Why do you want to come over? And it's like, oh, yeah, sure. Like, it, we, we had, like, half-hour notice. And we're like, oh, yeah, let's let's go do it. And we walked across the street and went to the campfire. So it's it's that kind of thing that is convenient and it's, it's nice to have those relationships close to you. But if you don't happen to like talk to that person after a week or two, whatever, it's not like the end of the world kind of thing. Yeah. I'm constantly intrigued by these near, like I'm going to call them near field relationships um, because I don't have any, I haven't had any for a long time. The, the, The latest example I can think of is residence where you have a bunch of people in really close quarters and you know that you're all the same. But like with the rise of technology and mobile devices and everyone being in contact with all the people they are, they knew back then, like I, I'm still in touch with five or six people that I knew in residence, but now we're spread across the city. So, but we still hang out and it's, it's fun and not like, I like those relationships, but we're not nearby anymore. And so it's a lot less convenient to do that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know anybody like the closest person I know to me lives like five kilometers away and I don't really see him that often. <laughs> yeah. So like with those relationships, 
you know, if you are you the kind of person that lets a friendship progress naturally? I'm not going to say let it die because that's morbid. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. did you like? Are you the kind that lets a, a a relationship progress in a natural way, or do you kind of like fight against like that progression? And it's like, no, we gotta like make a better effort of like like seeing each other more often, and like even though it's not convenient for either of you, like I haven't done that. Um, I'm trying to think of a situation which I could. Like the, with my family, that happens yeah. quite a bit. Like you, you being a part of that, there, there are times where I was sitting there thinking, like, oh, uh, like I don't really talk to my parents that often. I don't talk to my sister that often. I didn't have very many ties back to Calgary, and so I went out of my way to do that. But yeah. I don't think it really happens with. I don't think I've had it happen with friends. I just sort of, if we drift apart, we do. Like I, I if I want to keep a connection with the person, I will. But if it drifts away, it drifts away. Like there's nothing I can do about it. And then if they come back and say, "Oh, we haven't hung out in a while," let's. I'll be like, "Sure, let's." Yeah. Let's do yeah. something. And I'm, yeah, in the exact same way. Like I have a friend, like my friend Chris. He, we were like good friends in school, like all the way through university. And then he moved to Japan. Like we worked together at the warehouse, and then he moved to Japan. And obviously, being in Japan, like you're not gonna have that contact is working together or even being in the same city. But, you know, randomly we'll, like, message and be like, oh, hey, how's it going? Like, whatever. And then when he's in town, we'll, like, hang out and he moved back and he's actually doing law school right now. But he's been, like, super busy with school and so it was, like, we haven't had, like, a super, like, constant line of communication. But whenever one of us is, like, hey, let's, like, like, you want to hang out sometime or whatever, then it's like, oh, yeah, for sure. Like, and you just keep that relationship, but yeah. you don't be like, oh, I haven't talked to him in, like, two months. Like, how dare he, like, think that he can just pick up again? Like, but, yeah, it's the same thing. It's like, if you drift apart, apart, but if it's like, hey, let's, like, hang out, it's like, yeah, sure, like, let's... Yeah. Um, you wouldn't hold it against think, him. <laughs> yeah, I think a big part of that is because we're guys, too. I think that's... At least that's what Maria tells me, because <laughs> when, when she, like... With her friendships, it's like it's very—I don't want to say dramatic, but it's complicated. In the like, if she sends a message and then the person doesn't reply for a couple of days, I'm like, probably just like busy or like whatever. It's like I wouldn't take personally. It's like, oh, it's like, uh, like I don't yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> like just don't worry about it. Like, it's, <laughs> for me, it's like why would I want to burden myself with like worrying get over that. Yeah, like what? What? Like, if I text them and they don't reply back, it's like, I don't know. It's like if it was something important, they would have answered. Well, yeah, yeah, but if it's like, I don't know, it's just it happens to me all the time where stuff slips my mind. Like yeah. I'll, I'll see a message and I'm like, I'm famous, not famous, but like, I tell people I have read receipts on on all the like the messaging systems that allow it. I'm very transparent about having seen. Stuff like on Facebook, I, there are a lot of people I talk to who won't read a message because yeah, I don't they'll see it in the notification it. bar. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I read it immediately, and then if there's an expectation of response, I'll think about it and give one. But like, it's also about knowing the communication medium. If you want to hang out with someone and you haven't talked to them in a while, and you send them a text message and it gets no response, that's like, okay, it it probably wasn't that important. If it was like 
if it was something like let's hang out, let's do something and get a, like a solid plan and you're friends with that person, they're going to answer. If you do something out of the blue and surprise somebody with a message, they're just going to like they're going to get caught up in their own head like, "Oh, do I want to like what <laughs> what is this?" And I've had that happen where people will use the wrong communication medium. Like someone will send me a text message with import like someone I haven't really talked to in a while. They'll send me an important message via text and something that I should reflect on and shouldn't just respond back right away. And I'm, so I'll, I'll forget about it because it gets buried underneath other messages. And I'm just like, ah, I, I want to answer, but I need to think about it. And then I forget about it. Yeah. And like that's, that's what an email is for. An email, at least the way I do it, an email will sit in my inbox until I deal with it. Whereas a message gets buried and it's gone. Yeah. A Facebook message, this it's it's kind of the same thing because again they have the the red receipts and so you know exactly when someone saw it and if it needs an answer it gets one. And if it if it's like ah this is awkward then I just let it be awkward and I don't I don't really concern myself with it. Yeah. <laughs> ah, so many apps. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, let's. I'm going to switch to the sort of parenting side things. Um, and so, right off the bat, I want to discuss because I, I think from from our conversation today and from other conversations we've had, you like me seem to be pretty open about talking about stuff. Like, there's not going to be. There are a lot of people, especially doing the Ottawa podcast, where we meet someone new every week. And we so you sort of get to see a lot of different people and how a lot of people different people react to to that situation of talking knowing that it's going to be associated with their name that anyone can see. And for me personally, and that's why I've started doing this since January or well technically it's been a bit longer, but like publicly my own face on the internet, it's been about eight or nine months. I have no shame about anything that I've that I'm doing. So I want my name associated with the things that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Whereas there have been people that we've interviewed that have said, "Oh, like I I don't want my name tied to this." And they didn't say anything bad, but people are so cautious about the internet in general and people love having this privacy because they just again, sort of like we talked about on the on the paranormal episode of Future Chat, it's the unknown. There's like if bad things could potentially happen. Whereas I'm sort of like bad things are going to happen. Good things are also going to happen. Why wouldn't you roll the dice? Because like you're doing that every day with everything you do. Some bad things could happen. Good things could happen. Or nothing could happen. And it's totally neutral. Yeah. And the so I'll, I'll let you I'll let you talk. But I just want to say one more thing that um, from what I've found so far for myself, it's all. 100% of it has all been, at very worst, nobody cares. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten a lot of positive responses. I've had nothing, nobody has been like, oh, you said this and like, I disagree and I think that's really offensive and controversial, but that's never happened. It's all been positive or nothing. Mm-hmm. So what's your experience been going through Future Chat and like talking about this kind of stuff uh, I noticed that like Maria and you also post pictures of Emma all the time, and because you guys are the the most exposure I've had to people who have children, you're really the, Emma's really the only child I see on mm-hmm. Facebook. 
<laughs> I know that a lot of people do that, but I don't really see it that much. So, yeah. like, what do you think about managing yourself online? Because I've heard that when you Google me or when you Google people that I talk to on the internet, this the stuff that I do with them and myself tends to be the first thing that pops up when you look at their name. Yeah. When I, I actually Googled my name last night, and I think the the hits in order, and I don't know how much is tailored to my IP or my search history or whatever. I'm sure there's a various number of algorithms that yeah. rank the hits in what would be most relevant to me, but it, if it means anything, the order was my LinkedIn profile, my Google Plus page, and then future chat, and yeah, those are the main things in my Facebook profile. Yeah. But future chat was top three. If you if you go into incognito mode, it should be as anonymous as you can be oh. at your own computer. That's how I, that's how I do it. And so oh. I have my I have it right here. I have my website which. Like, apparently I've done well with the Google, uh, like, I've set up the webmaster stuff properly because the the sort of tagline it has is the most recent thing on my website, like the little snippet text. Uh, it has Google+, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, my YouTube oh, channel. Twitter's, online. Twitter's top four or five of mine, yeah. 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 So, and then the last one on the very first page is, like, where my podcasts are online which is kind of cool yeah it's it's so strange though like if you if you type in my name and look at the images for instance it's all like random screenshots of things I've done yeah well maybe Google mine to see what comes up since you're already in in college yeah because I know with mine in the image preview there's actually like a picture of Emma in like a Columbia jersey that I must have been tagged in or something. Yeah. That was that was on there. In terms of images, there's a lot of, there's some future chat stuff. There's you and Maria. There's a natural update for some reason. I'm assuming maybe just because of the natural. Right. <laughs> a shattered iPhone screen. I don't see a picture. Oh no, the very, I mean the very first result is your Google Plus picture. Yeah. Uh in terms of search results, it's Social media. This might actually be a different Micah Trell. <laughs> I know there's one in England somewhere. Yeah. Uh, it says that there's someone here that was able to pick up a, a Nexus Seven on nine to five oh, yeah. Google. Yeah, yeah, that was mine. Yeah. That was you? Yeah, that was me. Oh, nice. Yeah, <laughs> okay. <I know. laughs> and then you get to the second page. I see the iTunes listing for future tech chat. Yeah. But no, I guess I guess to answer your question, it's um I don't have I'm like you guys. It's like, you know, if people if people wanna know what I'm about, like I don't care. Like I don't have any reason to think that people would try to use that against me. Like you know, like I don't know, it's maybe it's like if I was ever specifically targeted, like that's its own thing, I guess. Yeah. I, I don't have any reason to think that would ever happen, if that makes sense. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I should be more more cautious, but I think you're robbing yourself a lot of utilization and enjoyment of the technology we have if you don't trust that 
no one's gonna come and hunt you down and like I don't know. It's Yeah, I don't I don't think anyone would come and hunt you down. I think that anyone that thinks that might be taking themselves a little too seriously. Like people don't care what you do. Yeah. <laughs> like in yeah. in a bad way. People yeah. might care in a good way and be positive, but I don't think people care what you do in a negative way. Yeah. And it's funny because I've actually I've waited to be able to tell people about like future chat because yeah. I get to be like, oh, so like what do you do for fun or like whatever. But that actually doesn't come up like yeah. ever. Like so it's like I'm not just be like, hey, so I do a podcast. Like <laughs> you don't just <laughs> open with that. Like yeah. but you, you bring it up if it comes up, but it's that's not the kind of thing that comes up in normal conversation, I guess. Right. Um but like like I mentioned to Chris, and because he, was, I thought he'd be interested in the show. He's like, "Oh yeah, that'd be cool to like do or whatever." So, yeah. I guess the only the responses I've had from me doing the podcast was positive, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, and as far as from a parenting perspective, like, I don't know, like, I'm I'm proud of my family, and if you want to look at cute pictures of, that's good, I guess. Like, yeah. do you so? You would say, for now, you're sort of taking each thing as it comes. I guess. Like, Today you'll post a picture and not worry about it. If something changes tomorrow, you'll you'll react to it, but you're not going to yeah, like, be on defense constantly, like, yeah, worrying like, about all these. <laughs> yeah, because that's not realistic. It's like millions of people use technology with no issue, and no one's ever randomly targeted, like... You know what I mean? Like you'd hear way more about it if it actually happened. Like, yeah. oh yeah, you you hear about like identity theft, but that doesn't happen over like people seeing pictures on Facebook. That's yeah. like, you know, so that that's my approach to it. Is is like you know, I'm not gonna like post my passwords to things, but <laughs> right, you know, it's like like what you said the other day. It's like you know if if people knew. Well, how would you say it about if people is like you're glad that you never got hacked because you'd be like or no what was about using I can't remember what you said it was, it was just a passing comment like oh I'm so glad that I haven't been hacked or something like that. But what was it in reference to? I'm just, trying to think. It was about like password managers or like whatever, and you're like oh I just use like the same password for everything. <laughs> no, I don't use the same password for everything. I use. I use a password that's easy enough for me to remember. It was from a like a it was a life hacker post two or three years ago. Mm -hmm. so I use a password that's just random characters, and then um, I just have like I change it. I add a little like an extra part on the end, right? Unique to the uh, to each individual site, right? And like nobody has ever hacked me, but if if like my passwords actually. People keep talking about the Chrome password manager as though it stores your passwords. Well, oh, that's what it was. Yeah, it was a Chrome password manager. Yeah. But it doesn't anymore. It asks you for your Windows password when you go in now. Hmm. And it does it on uh, Mac and Windows, I guess. Actually, since the last, since I since that whole thing came up, they added, or at least they added an option that's on by default to to encrypt your your passwords by your your main computer password, oh, which is really the only way you can do it. So. Yeah. 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 And with some, I was going to say something about that. I forget. Oh, I've been I've been hacked twice. Once on my old Hotmail account that I never. Everyone got hacked on Hotmail yeah. at least once. 
So I got hacked on that, and I got locked out of it because they changed my password, and I was able to recover it and then fix it. And then our Gmail, like our joint, because Marie and I have a joint Gmail, and that got hacked. And at that point, I then put on, like, the, the double two, two-step authentication or authorization. So I already had that on my personal one. Or basically anything that offers the two-step, I have that on. But we didn't have it for our joint one, so I put that on after that. I'm like, like two-step is pretty much a safeguard against any yeah. sort of, like hacking like that. Yeah, I heard one person was recently actually hacked by that had two-factor authentication on because they were somehow able to socially engineer uh, someone at a phone carrier to forward their number hmm. to the to the hacker's number, and so the code went to the hacker, hmm. which seemed like that was... <laughs> I hope they're stepping up their security after that happened. Hmm. That's kind of crazy. Um, yeah. But in in general, like with apps like Google Authenticator, it's pretty it's pretty good. Yeah, having the second factor. That I used to have it. I had it on Dropbox and I had it on Google as well. But there were enough apps that needed application specific passwords where you right. had to like get that twenty five character beast and in, <laughs> enter it on your phone. It just wasn't. I was like, ah, it's, <laughs> I'm gonna turn this off. I don't get like nobody's tried to hack me. Yeah. I don't have anything of, like, I have stuff that's important to me, but it was not important to anyone else. Yeah. Well, even with, like, now you're seeing more and more department stores and, and those types of things targeted for hacking or credit card theft or targeted, yeah. So it's like, like, with Home Depot, they got hacked, and I made a bunch of purchases at Home Depot recently. So, in theory, my number was stolen, I think they contacted people that, that whose numbers were part of yeah. it. Because Julia got contacted. Oh, did she? Okay. Because yeah. I, have, I, yeah, I haven't been contacted. How would they have contacted me, though? Through the credit card company? I think they sent a letter to anyone that was affected. I don't know how they did it. I didn't. We just She just mentioned that she got a letter. Or maybe it was a phone call. I can't remember. Hmm. But they acknowledged that it had happened and that I think her hers was one of the pieces that was taken but okay. credit cards there's so much protection built into them even if someone did steal money from you you're not liable for right. it right so yeah. it's like I don't I don't feel unsafe at all and using my credit card online yeah like I never it's been years and I've always just been like yep fine yeah. well and the, the whole thing is like you have you have these like technology media that have access to information about you. But for like a hundred years, people have been giving away that information to whoever for whatever, but not online. But it's still just random people that have your information. Yeah. So it's like there's a disconnect about like the threat level. It's like nothing's really changed. Like as opposed to like the availability of information. Like like, you know, you're, like, the government's a perfect example of that, like, with tax information, like, the entire country's tax info is in the hands of, like, you know, three floors in a government building somewhere. Yeah. Anyone has access to it, so it's like, oh, this person's going to be targeted, so... Yeah. And not, not anyone has access to it, but a, a number of people do. A number of people, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. It's... People take it 
too seriously. And I think that's, that's true of a lot of things. We're entering into a, a place where everybody feels on edge all the time, and I don't. Like, I know that something bad could happen, but I'm not going to let it worry me because something bad could happen any, any day. Yeah. And you just can't, you can't wait for it or you're never going to live your life. Mm-hmm. So I think we'll wrap up pretty soon, but I have a couple questions that I just want to ask uh, about specifically having a kid. So the first one is, how has having a child changed you? Like, what's the biggest, most abrupt change you can think of that was just like, wow, this is so different than it was before? I think the biggest thing is just the kind of love that you feel for a person. Like, you don't really experience it until there's a situation, even after, like, you, you have your child, like a baby, and, like, you don't feel it right away, but you, you fall in love with your child. Like, especially as a dad, like, for a mom, it's different because they've been, like, carrying the child for nine months and, like, just the maternal instinct kicks in a lot more than, like, the paternal instinct, I guess. But, like... Yeah, you just... Just the whole falling in love with your child and, like, wanting to care and want the best for that that child. That's, like, a really big thing, I think. And just, like... Like, your outlook on life kind of changes, too, because you, like, walk by and you'll, like... You'll see just how the world is and be like, holy cow, like, my child is, like, going up in this world. And, like, you see the kind of people in it and it's, like, good and bad. And it's, like... Like, you want so much to, like, protect your child, like, even down into the future. And, like, like you know, we, we randomly... Like, we'll be watching, a, a t- like, a reality... Not a reality show, but, like, a... TV show where it's, like, a family, and there's, like, a, a daughter, and the daughter's going through, like, a breakup at school, and it's, like, yeah. oh, my gosh, like, <laughs> what are we getting ourselves into? Like, this is the kind of stuff that, like, people go through, and, like, or, like, drugs, or, like, alcohol, or, like, sex, or, like, whatever, and it's, like, have to, like, deal with all this stuff, and it's, like, oh, my gosh, like, <laughs> I think it's a combination of, like, protection and, like, love and fear. That's kind of, like... Yeah, yeah, the, <laughs> I get that. <laughs> the things you feel once you once you have a child. There, it's almost like uh, just a hyper active, like it's the same thing you feel for your your partner, but just like a hundred times or a thousand times more acute. Yeah, it's not necessarily more. It's just so sharp. Like it's just. Honestly, the biggest thing is that your child is dependent on you. Like, they need you to live. Right. When you're, like, with your spouse or your significant other, they're not... They're dependent on you in an emotional sense. Yeah. But in a needing, like, a being able to live sense, like, physically able to live, like, there's, there's not that dependence. Right. But with a child, it's like, they completely trust you. And, like... One of the biggest things is, like, our bed is a normal height off the ground. So, like, Emma will be on the bed, and at this age, she can get herself off the bed, right? Like, she'll just kind of go on her stomach and, like, slide herself off. 
but at first she's like scared and it's like it's like oh oh like it's like daddy help me daddy help me like she's laughing but it's like oh help me right and she doesn't want to let go yeah. so when I go and stand behind her I'm like daddy's behind you he'll catch you she just lets go like it's like instant trust like yeah. and I'm like holy cow like she she didn't want to and then I went behind her and she was okay too like like it's so minor but it's like 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 for her like she's like I'm safe now like now that I was right. behind like that's how she feels about her parents, and it's like that's crazy. Yeah, that that's awesome though. Like your description of it also is very like it. It just brings it home yeah. how important that trust is, and yeah. like oh yeah. And how easy it is to like screw that trust up. Like yeah. if you you know it's like it's a lot to like a lot of responsibility to like have this life in your hands that trusts you that much. Yeah, and not that not that it's necessarily easy to like completely screw no, it up. It's just but, like it's it's on the edge. Like you're making decisions moment to moment that affect this. Yeah, yeah. So that actually leads pretty well into my other question about parenting, which is how much can you really like? You see movies all the time, and Knocked Up is the most prominent example in my mind. Like, they go and buy baby books, and you read about it, and you research, and you do as much as you can, but how much of that do you sort of just have to throw the book away immediately as soon as it happens? For us? There's a lot of book knowledge that's helpful, like, really helpful. That's a hard question. I think the books are more of a psychological help in feeling prepared, but as far as how much they actually prepare you, you're ultimately you're gonna do what works best. Okay. So, like, say for us, it we had a wrench kind of thrown in right away when, you know, we needed a C-section, and so that was like one one thing that went differently than what you expect. And then Emma got jaundice, which is when, like, they're not able to clear out the toxins yep. in the body because they can't, like, urinate the enough. can't filter properly or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So she wasn't urinating, and then it's like, okay, so, like, and then, you know, so we had to put her on formula right away to get, like, the fluids into her so she could urinate and get that out. So that was, like, a super high-stress kind of thing to, like, want to get her healthy and then just, like... Like, just, like, that was just kind of sort of a long list of things that, like, you kind of take things as they come. And, right. like, a lot of parents will, like, prescribe to a method of parenting, whatever, and if that works for them and if that helps them feel more confident or at ease about how they're doing things, then that's good. But people should never feel that they need to stick to a certain way if it doesn't work for their family. Like, yeah. if, if, they're, if they're trying to, like put their kid into a crib, but they don't want to sleep in a crib, then, like, bring them into bed with you, and if they sleep, then do that, like. Yeah. Or, you know, for feeding, it's like, if they don't want to eat whatever, and they'll eat whatever, then just, like, don't be like, oh, you need to stay on your vegan diet or whatever, like. I don't know, that's, that's the approach we've taken, is, like, do what works for you. And that's right. ultimately what everyone kind of does, I think. So, I'm going to relate this back to uh, another recent 
uh, anecdote from Future Chat. When you described your um, Ouija board haunting from your childhood. Right. So I mentioned in after hearing your story that I would put the Ouija board... I'll, I'll go back and say that you had a Ouija board in your childhood bedroom. You're like your toddler yes. bedroom. And you were crying constantly. And the Ouija board was removed and you stopped crying around the same time. Or Just, maybe possibly right at the same time, but it was very near. Yeah. And so you... It was sort of just like, all right, good, now he's not crying. And I mentioned that I absolutely would put the Ouija board back to see if he would start crying again. I would need to confirm that for myself, and there's no way I could live with myself without trying that. Yeah. So now that you are, and I'd like to think that that won't change, but is there any circumstance under which you would consider doing that? Or is that like when you're a parent, you're like, no, 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 logic and rationality goes out the window and you do what's best for your child, even if it means that you're like, wait, what? How does that? No. <laughs> well, here, look at it this way. If when you, when you were telling you, when you were relaying that feeling of, well, you put it back, my immediate response was, well, why would I reintroduce demons to my child? And then Nick's response was, well, why would you want your child to start crying again? Yeah. So it's sort of like, like, my initial response was, well, no, if there were demons in there, I wouldn't want to, like, reintroduce the demons. Like, right. that are, like, crying again. Whether there were demons or not, that's its own thing. But it's, like, yeah. my, if if something was bothering her and I was removed it, I'm not going to reintroduce it and then have that chance of, like, disturbing her again kind of thing. Right. For the sake so, of science. <laughs> so you're, right now your official stance is you wouldn't take that chance... It's like, I would, even right now, thinking about literally putting myself in that position, I, if there was demons in that board, I would want to know. <laughs> like, I would, <laughs> that was the easiest way to test that. If it, like, I would be listening intently on the other side of that door for crying, and the second that crying started again, I would be like, oh, man, this is... <laughs> All right, let's just get this board and do whatever, get some holy water, whatever we need to do. Yeah. But I would have to, I would I wouldn't... I wouldn't sleep easily or soundly knowing that that was out there and I couldn't see if it was actually a real effect. Yeah. But I, I, I'm trying to sort of think to myself if having a child either, like changes that or if it's just like, like the connection you mentioned, have, seeing your child suffering, you would just do anything you can to remove it and like not do anything you could to reintroduce the possibility of it happening again. Yeah. Let's, let's look at it this way. Say with, like, homeopathic medicine. A lot of parents swear by it. Yeah. Whether they know it's homeopathic or not. They'll say, you know, she had a... She was crying. Her, We think her teeth were hurting. We gave her the camellia water, whatever it's called, and she was fine. If your kids saw crying, then why not? Like, <laughs> you know, if, if... And, like... It's kind of like, I guess, yeah, in some sense, it's like rationale kind of goes out the window, but it's like, it, if, if it helps, then, yeah, you know, I don't know. So that, that's, I think, where, that's where the difference sort of splits off for me, is that if it helps, great, but if it's not what's helping, I would want to have that information as well. So, like, I, I would want to know... 
in that case, I would know it wasn't the camellia water. No, but it, like if it's the placebo effect, you don't need to go and spend money on that product. You can just give them water and tell them it's like you don't. I don't know. I just it's that whole con. Like the first thing I'm gonna do when I have a child, like they get to the age where they're able to understand reason, I'm gonna be like, listen, there's a lot of stuff, and here's how it is. <laughs> Form yeah. your own opinions. Don't yeah. don't take my word as gold, but the message is learn for yourself. Yeah, I, I was actually thinking about that. I was as I was changing the tires today. I'm like, I want to teach Emma how to change a tire, but I also want to tell her the way I'm changing it may or may not be the best way of doing it. It may not even be the right way of doing it, but I'm showing you how I do it. Right. Go and try it, and if you find a different way of doing things, that may be a better way of doing it. And yeah, I think that's a good approach. It's like I I'll, I will teach you and show you whatever you want to know, and I'll show you a lot of things. There's not only, my way may not be the only way or the best way, so yeah, go and like find out for yourself. Like I think that's that's a pretty good approach to life, I think. Yeah, I mean that's definitely, I, I can't say exclusively, I'd love, I'm thinking about contemplating asking either of, or both of my parents to do one of these, because we, again, talking about the whole maturity thing, I didn't have these kinds of conversations with them when I was growing up. Like, there, there's some important things that either we didn't talk about or I don't remember because I wasn't emotionally mature enough or mature enough at all to know that it was necessary. And so I'm interested to know because I feel like I was raised that way. I was raised to be curious and to ask too many questions. Like, so many questions that would annoy someone who didn't also think the same way. <laughs> and so I am always going to be like that. I'm going to be asking anything I don't know or, or know I can't find out myself, I'm going to be asking. Yeah. Yeah, and, I, and for those things, like, yeah, there's always that age of childhood where, like, they want to know everything and they have questions about everything. And I want to be the kind of parent that encourages learning and, like, doesn't make up answers I'll explain things properly in a way that they'll understand, hopefully. And if I don't know the answer to something, then I will. I'll, then I want to say, you know, well, let's let's find out. Like with the internet now and with whatever, like you can look up answers, and maybe I'll learn something. If she has a question, like, oh, why? Like I don't know. One question I had was like, oh, why are like tongues horses or horses tongues black or it was some sort of animal that had a black tongue and I was like why is there tongue giraffes oh maybe yeah so it's like oh because like God made them that way or whatever and mm -hmm. it's like okay sure that doesn't explain why they're black like there must be some reason like yeah you know like but I, I'd rather have an actual reason and it, that you know that answer may be sat, like sufficient for a child like just to stop asking I guess but I don't yeah, want to. I don't I, want to do that. Yeah, no, I don't want them to stop asking. I want yeah. them to learn and like to find out, right? Like, yeah. Or why is the sky blue? Like, I'd never heard of like light scattering, like in any of the. Yeah, Raleigh scattering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, I think one answer I got was like, oh, because it's like reflected off like the ocean and like yeah. the color of the ocean is reflected in the sky or something, and it's like, yeah, I guess that makes. Sense. Yeah, it's the opposite of that. <laughs> Right, yeah. Blue because of the sky. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it's they're very interesting lessons that 
I'm sure parents learn and kids learn all the time that things aren't always the way they seem and even in cases like that where you can't you can't teach a child about how the scattering of different wavelengths of light is affected by air particles you can't you yeah. can't tell them why the sky is blue like that but you can you can certainly simplify it and get them to a point that they can at least appreciate how cool it is that the sky is blue mm -hmm. yeah and and why the sunset's red for instance i thought that was there's yeah. going to be lots of science YouTube channels <laughs> going on. <laughs> uh, uh, is there anything else that you want to talk about before we go? Uh, I don't know. I think this is a good, good conversation. We haven't even... I, I remember listening... It's funny because, I guess, from a, from a basis of how much history we have, I guess, like, we're... Let's say, at least for me, you're my best friend as as a kid growing up. Yeah. And, you know, once we went our separate ways, like once we went to Ottawa, then we kind of lost touch and you'd come back, you know, once or twice a year and we'd hang out and whatever. But a lot of stuff happened in our lives in yeah. those four to six years. And, you know, like listening to some of the Ottawa podcasts or the Fake It podcasts and even just in just conversation that we have over Future Chatter River, there's a lot that you did that I didn't realize. Yeah. So I think it's, it's cool that now we're able to kind of like have these conversations and, and learn a bit more about that gap of like when we weren't as in touch or living right. like together that you kind of like learn a bit more about each other. Yeah, it, it's really cool. Actually, my I was talking to my mom uh, a couple days ago, two or three days ago, and she, we, we were commenting to each other about how it had been a couple weeks or a few weeks since we had talked, but she said it didn't feel like that because she'd been seeing me so much. Yeah. So it's it's helpful to her even just to have so many ways to to do that, yeah. to, to keep in touch and to know what's going on. Uh, and like I, I like doing it. I have, I mean, I have asked Rob, and you've been on me to update it more often. And I have, like, I have so many ideas that I don't have enough. Like, with 40 hours of work a week, plus a relationship, plus friends, plus yeah. all the projects that I have that are already established, it's so hard to find that time because, I, like, I have too many ideas that have to keep either getting pushed back. Like, what I think I'm going to do with Ask Rob is sit down, write, like, eight of them. I've already got a few written but write a bunch of them, get them to the point that they're polished, and then film them all in one day. And then over the course of weeks, all I'd have to do is put the footage together. Because the hard part is getting everything ready and sitting down and actually doing it. So if Ooh. I do that once for lots of them, then I can at least parcel them out. And Because and, the work of editing takes a lot less time once I have all the materials ready. Mm. So that's the goal for that. Cool. Looking forward to that then. Yeah. Um, so on, I I couldn't not sate my curiosity, and so I looked up why giraffes have black tongues. Uh, it's melanin in their tongues to protect them from being sunburned, so they can eat all day. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. And they're also apparently they can they're average of eighteen inches. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it says only the front part is black. The part that comes out of the mouth 
most often. Oh, okay. So not the part that's connected into their, their yeah. mouth. Okay. Because it's always inside. Right. Yeah. Cool. Learn something every day. There you go. <laughs> I feel like I'm, I felt like I'm relearning that, but it feels like the first time. I, I figured it's it the very it. first time. Yeah, I figured it has something to do with melanin, but I, I guess that makes sense about their needing to eat. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I'll ask you one more question then. Where can people find you, you online? Where can people find me online? Uh, they can find me on my uh, flagship podcast, Future Chat, or video cast, Future Chat, uh, Google+, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, MA underscore YYC. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Or if you know me, then you know where to find me. So Yeah. <laughs> You are Googleable. We have just pro- we've proven this tonight. If you search Mike Attrell, you will find you. Yeah. All right, cool. Sounds well, good. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having uh, me. To people watching, you can find the, this show at fakeitshow.robatrell.com. You can find me at Robatrell, and you can find the Twitter account of this show, which is minimal so far, but uh, will grow as the, as the show itself does, uh, at fakeitshow. Pretty excited about that. So again, Mike, thank you very much for being here. I, I learned a ton, and I'm looking forward to part two already because there's so much more to talk about. Yes, there is. <laughs> All right. I'll see you on Saturday then for future chat. Yes, I'm excited for that as well. We'll see you. All right, bye. Yeah.